1: Listen in to discover how God is working in their church plan. Hey, church planner. This is Peyton Jones, and I am here on Hardcore Church Planning today with a good friend. Uh it, It's weird because I'm going to give a little introduction here. Um, I say he's a friend. He is... Technically, although it doesn't feel that way, technically, he's my boss, which, uh, you know, it, it, one day he'll have to fire me, but, uh, we, we always talk about that. And then that day I'll say, I'm glad it was you, Mac. But, but I have on here a church planting training legend. Uh, his name is Mac Lake. He is also the developer of leadership pop pipeline together with, uh, Will Mancini. And he is an author, uh, co-wrote Kingdom First with Jeff Christofferson. Uh, he is one of my mentors, someone I am proud to call a friend, and someone I am honored and extremely blessed to work alongside. So, Mac, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you, Peyton. Uh, man, I've been looking forward to this and excited to have the conversation with you.
1: Yeah, me too, man. I, I am just, uh, you know, it, this has been like a, a kid in a candy shop thinking about how mm-hmm. we're going to go. And the, and the thing with you, Mac, is, you know, we, we are friends and we goof off and, and laugh a bunch, but, and we get a lot done for the kingdom. But, but the thing is, is that I, I think all of us that, that work alongside you and I, I, I got to be careful because I know you don't like to, to be put on a pedestal here, but all of us are kind of in awe of you. We watch you as a trainer. And we listen to your your philosophy about the Holy Spirit and breakthrough moments and all these things and we're we're just in awe, but I think we're also in awe of the stuff you get done and so today, what I want to do is really kind of share you with my audience um kind of let the church planners out there most people know who you are. I think you're one of the most uh connected guys. I rarely meet someone who hasn't heard of you or knows of you. But, uh, the, the reality is today, what we want to do is just kind of really get to know you a bit and what makes you tick. And, uh, you are a, a developer of leaders. And I just want to be able to share as our guys, some of them are starting out in leadership. Some of them are, are starting out in their ministries and they don't even know where to begin, or where to turn. And I know I've constantly picked your brain. So uh, anyways, with that long introduction into that, Mac, tell us a little bit about your background, how you came to faith.
0: Yeah, uh, Peyton, I grew up in a little country church in West Virginia. Uh, the church uh, never had more than 70 people on a Sunday morning. As a little town of 500. I never thought about it till years later, but I don't know why they weren't in the uh, uh, Outreach Magazine's fastest-growing churches in the country, <laughs> you know, they were reaching a, a large percentage of that little town. But uh, it was a great little country church, and uh, my mom and dad were in leadership there. They weren't you know, weren't the pastor, but uh, they were in leadership there. And their love for the church and their love for Christ was just absolutely contagious. Uh, so at nine years old, uh, I remember standing on the second pew at Hanley Baptist Church, uh, gripping it as tight as I could as Pastor Randy Kessler presented the gospel. And I walked down that morning and gave my life to Christ and uh, never never looked back.
1: That's awesome. Well, you, one of the things I didn't say in your introduction is that you have also been the architect. And that's really the only way to put it. You're, you're, you're like a thought architect. You, you build cathedrals of training and learning. And we run uh, something that you put together called Train the Trainer, that I don't care how many trainings you've been to. We watch people come in skeptical, and we train church planning trainers there. And this is your brainchild, but I mean it is transformational. Um, It it is almost kind of like a, a it's it's like a religious experience when you go there. You come out transformed, and we're looking at Jesus as a trainer. I mean. You've traced all this stuff back. You look at the brain and how God designed it. And shouldn't we be studying God's design? And I mean, it is, it is really changed me, but all of that is a tool for something you built years ago, uh, which is called, it was called at that time, uh, launch, which was a whole curriculum of church planner training. And now it's known as multiply. Um, and it is, it is amazing. There is, Hands down, no assessment out there for church planners like what you guys put together. And, uh, I get to say I'm on the team, but I was the late guy to the party. I mean, this stuff was, uh, you know, we had Zaret and we had Michelle and there were other people that, that did incredible work. But, uh, you are really, I mean, it is, it is comprehensive church planner training. I, I don't want to talk too much about it right now, but, I really want to ask, um, how did you get involved with church planting?
0: Yeah, my my church planting journey began really uh, sort of when I was at Dallas Theological Seminary. I had no idea even what church planting was, but uh, Aubrey Melfers, who wrote the book uh, Planting Growing Churches, you know, years and years ago, uh, I was down in the gym at the seminary working out, and he was down there, and he said, hey, Mac, you need to take my church planting class. Well, I looked at him and I started laughing and I said, Aubrey, I'll never plant a church and I'll never be a senior pastor. (laughs) And so, uh, and I fully believed that. Well, seven years later, you know, I was, uh, a few years later, I was at Polly's Island Baptist Church. I was associate pastor and all of a sudden God just grabbed my heart. Uh, there was a a brand new community about 30, 40 miles from Polly's Island that I heard about. Uh, Cindy and I drove up there, drove through the community. There was only about 25 homes in this community, nothing else within you know, 15 miles north, five miles south, five miles east, five miles west. So it was just this brand new community. Uh, the international paper had cleared the property uh, they owned. It was uh, 30,000 acres. And I heard it was going to be a city of 60,000 people one day. And I just thought, wow, wouldn't it be cool if somebody put a church there? And uh, all of a sudden that that desire uh, was born inside of me, and God just kept bringing it back to me again and again and again. Uh, there was multiple confirmations that we were called to do this. So um, I finally went back to my pastor and said, hey, I feel like I'm I'm called to plant a church, and I would be honored if, if you guys would send me. And uh, he was enthusiastic about it, and so the church got behind me and and launched me out to go plant that church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina.
1: Which in the church planning world is a way of saying he fired you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just easy.
0: He lovingly let me leave.
1: <laughs> and what was movie. really cool
0: he—he he actually they sent half. Uh, they had deacon leadership. They sent half the deacons with us, which was really wow. cool because they all lived up that way. Wow. And they—they uh, they didn't have you know they didn't have a they couldn't find a church up there that, and so uh, so they would drive all the way to Polly's Island and so when we said we were going to do this. Uh, they, I had some incredible leaders jump on board with us right from the very, very beginning.
1: Wow, that is so cool, man! And it makes such a big difference when you have a supportive sending church like that. One of the things that that's really unique and I love about the Multiply Assessment is that uh, yeah. it's for husband and wife. It happens over uh, uh, almost like a weekend retreat or a, a couple days. Um, Mm -hmm. there's amazing. There's, uh, marriage and family therapists. There's leadership experts. There's church planning. You run the gauntlet and you get really well assessed by this. But also your sinning pastor has to be there. Like that Mm -hmm. is rock and roll right there. So Mac, as we're, as we're talking about this, this is a, It's not a light assessment. It's not a, hey, fill on, you know, fill out this online form and we'll, you know, you'll get an automated response. I mean, this is hardcore. Um, tell us over the years of doing those intense assessments. Um, what have you noticed, uh, in church planners? Like sometimes you and I'll talk and you'll be like, I just, he's going to make it. You know, we just talked about Austin recently and you were like, Hey, this guy's totally going to make it. Boom, boom, boom. Um, What are the things that you've noticed that are patterns that emerge or what are some of the things that tell you a church planner is going to make it?
0: Yeah, there, there are several things that, that I look for. Uh, really, there's eight indicators of a call that I look for. Um, you know, there's that, that pull that you can't resist. There's confirmation from mature believers. There's your, your, your wife and family, they're behind you and and they believe in it. Uh, and we always tell the wives, you know, you don't have to have the same intensity around the calling, but you do need, you both do need to have the same level of peace about the calling.
1: Mm. And
0: some guys unknowingly drag their wives into planting. Their yeah. wives feel like, oh, I'm unspiritual if I don't, you know, get on board with this. But, uh, you know, I always challenge guys, really get to know your wife's heart. Does she have the same level of peace as you about this? Um, we're looking for a pattern of multiplication. H- have they multiplied anything? Have they started anything? Uh, do they have the type of personality that can endure, you know, the challenge and rigors of starting something? Um do they have a passion for the lost? That's that's a huge one, because uh, we always remind guys at the assessment, you don't have to plant a church to plant the gospel. And hopefully you're mm. out there planting the gospel r- right now, you know, yeah. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, before you're planting a church. Uh, and then do they have a sending church? That's that's huge. Uh, you know, is there is there a church that has believed in them that's behind them? that's sending them, uh, in viral churches, Ed Stetzer, Warren bird statistics show that if you have a sending church, a church that's birthing you out, your, your likelihood of sustainability is, is increased significantly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's my, f- my favorite part about the assessment is what you said just prior to that. And that is that, um, you know, you don't have to plant a church to plant the gospel. And I love, I love that. That that is really, you know, Shark Tank. You do a Shark Tank there where mm-hmm. they share their vision, and um there's feedback. And sometimes the feedback is, "Well, have you been doing that now?" And right. sometimes the guys, I I turn the yeah. headlights, you know, and yeah. and they'll be like, "Hey, man, I, I you know, I don't get how you're suddenly gonna start doing this because you got a church." You know, right. the, the, you know the way Paul did it. He just did this stuff, and churches happen when you do this stuff. So I yeah. love that philosophy.
0: Mm, yeah, I love what Jeff Christofferson says. He says, you know, uh, plant from evangelism, not for evangelism, mm. and uh, and that's a great concept. And you know, a lot of guys that we give a caution to, uh, you know, little hey, slow down. Yeah, we encourage them. Hey, get into your community. Uh, just start trying to lead people to Christ and, uh, and, and, and see what happens from there and then come back and reassess, you know?
1: Nice. So Mac, you've, you you know, we've talked about all the different things that that you've been a part of over the years. And I think all of us know you're, you're kind of like a, uh, you're, 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 you're big on productivity. I mean, you, you lead a productive life. You've Raised up generations of leaders, uh, behind you. You're currently doing that. I don't see you stopping anytime soon. Your passion is to develop leaders. And thing is, is, is I'm, I'm just going to say this to, um, you know, our audience, cause it's, it's weird because here we're having this conversation. We work together. We're friends, but I need to say this to everybody listening. Um, when you get to know Mac, he is a Christ-like leader. He's not, he's not a leader. Who's just like, you know, he believes in excellence, but it's not like going to a Tony Robbins seminar. Um, mm-hmm. It's not like, you know, it, it's not Zig Ziglar. It's, it, you know, sometimes you listen to guys on leadership. I see you Mac as a guy who you're looking to Christ to model your leadership off of him. And for me, when I met you, that was so refreshing because mm-hmm. I've, I've seen a lot of guys developing leadership where it's almost like Jesus has been, it's cool that they want to improve as leaders, but it's mm-hmm. almost as if at times Christ has been completely left out of, of that process. Mm-hmm. And so for you, th- this is me. I, I am deviating a bit. I gotta, I gotta be careful here, but I just felt that was worth pointing out. Um, because I want our guys to respect the fact that when you're talking about leadership development, I feel for you, it's a God-given passion. And so over the years, you've had this productivity that's come out of this because it's truly your calling, whether it's church planners or established pastors or whatever it is. Um, but you watching you is like a blur. You are kind of like, you know, Wesley, the apostle Paul Spurgeon, some of these guys moved really fast. I want to ask you, how have you been able in all these different things that you've built or architect or, or lead or have, you know delegated how have you found the secret to managing yourself and your schedule
0: yeah well uh, thank you i'm I, uh, honored by that and I, I appreciate that and um it's humbling that you that you say that and see that and, and my life verse i'm i'm going to answer this first um my life verse is psalm 78:72 <clears throat> david shepherded them with a pure heart, and he guided them with skillful hands. And the reason that's my life verse is it says, the reason David was such a great leader is he had two elements. He had a leadership spirit, and he had leadership skill. And uh, I've watched leaders before, and and some guys, you go, you look at him, you go, oh my gosh, nicest guy in the world. You see the fruit of the spirit in him, and you go, man, I'd love to follow that guy because I just love, you know, who he is. Mm. And, and people will follow him for a while, but then they get discouraged because they're like, I love him, but he's not going anywhere. He's not making anything happen, you know. Mm. Then there are other guys; they got leadership skill, and. And people will follow them because they knock things out. They get things done. They push barriers aside and they're taking the hill. But after a while, people stop following them because they're like, hey, <clears throat> I, I love the vision, but I feel like I'm just one of the cogs in his machine. Mm-hmm. And I just like I'm being used and abused and not appreciated. And so, uh, so I think when you combine leadership spirit and leadership skill, uh, it, it just pr- it creates a strength. Uh, a Christ centered strength in your leadership. And, uh, and I think that makes the biggest difference in the world. And, and it's easier to build a team when you have, when you can commit, combine it both. And, you know, we can all look at our life and say, Hey, there are times I'm, I'm stronger in one than the other. And I need, you know, I need to up my spirit, you know, a little bit here. And, and, and display the fruit of the spirit a little bit more in my leadership or sometimes, Hey, I, I need to strengthen my leadership side right yeah. now. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, but you know, the bigger your vision, the bigger, the team you have to have. And if you're not that type of leader, it's hard to build and maintain a strong team.
1: Yeah. How, how is that something that you've had since you started? Or is that something that you really had to work at and develop and up your game in? That's my train. There's your train. Yeah. You know the train. Uh,
0: yeah, uh, uh, work at. I remember years and years ago. You know, I I was I was voted the shyest kid in my class in ninth grade, and uh, and I was told early early on, you know, you're not a leader. You're not a leader. And I just had, had a love for Christ and love for the church and wanted to do something significant with my life. But people say, oh, you're you're a nice guy, but you're not a leader. You know. And there was there was so much truth to that. And uh, it wasn't until I was uh, 28 years old, I, I met a pastor who just for some reason took me in and he started growing me as a leader.
1: Mm.
0: And uh, and for the first time, I had a I had a conversion <laughs> at that moment at 28 years old. Uh, as, after spending <laughs> a year with him, I began to see, oh my goodness, I was a doer, but not a leader. And God's wow. called me a leader. And so his impact on my life gave me a passion for leadership. And uh, and so I've spent years trying to learn to be a leader because Maxwell says there's natural born leaders and there are learned leaders. And when I read that chapter years and years ago in developing leader within you, chapter one or chapter two, um, when I read that chapter, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have to be a learned leader because I am not a natural leader. Now, the advantage is once you learn if, if when you learn leadership, you can reverse engineer it. And understand why you do what you do and how you do what you do. Therefore, it makes it easier to teach others.
1: I remember watching you lead our team. It's the healthiest team I've ever been on. And I remember um, at one stage, you and I were in Vegas. (laughs) We said we'd stay there, but uh, no, we we were running an assessment in Vegas. And I remember saying to you, because I was kind of in awe watching you lead things, watching you correct things, watching you it's a big operation. And I remember just being in awe and coming up to you afterwards and just very humbly saying, Hey, man, I, I'm just really blown away by, by what I've seen, um, this, this weekend. Um, because for me personally, um, particularly when you're a church planner, I know a lot of our church planners out there, they may feel that they have reached a ceiling. I think yeah. I didn't realize where I was at until I started working alongside yeah. you, under you, however you want to put it, but joining your team showed me how much I didn't know and still had to learn. And that was exciting for me because mm. I think the worst thing for a leader is when you come to the end of what you know and you feel like you've, you've hit a ceiling, you've stopped growing. And for, for me, I remember saying to you just very humbly, like, "Will you mentor me. Um, mm. Because I, I, there are things I don't know like Mm -hmm. from what I've seen. And I remember you just smiling and going, that's what I've been doing. (laughs) (laughs) And and what's cool to me is I think for all of our church planners out there, they're all going to come to a point where right now they're just trying to plant their church, but for it to go beyond you, like our last competency of church planning in, in the multiply curriculum is multiplication. If your vision and everything you're doing doesn't go beyond you, if it's not going to last beyond you and into the next generation, you're kind of wasting your time. You know what I mean? Like it's just, you can see that shift. And I think this happened with you based on your story, Mac, is that at a certain point, your ministry became about other people's ministry and the fruit that that's born has been incredible. So I want to ask you, you know, all of our planners are balancing the the same things that everybody does. Maybe they're balancing their ministry of church planning, with their family life, with how they pay the bills, maybe they're bivocational or whatever it is. Um, How have you managed the various factors in your life? How have you learned to obtain balance in these different areas as an achiever?
0: Yeah, great, great question. And I I think you have to have uh, systems and rhythms. And uh, rhythms means there are times your life's going to feel out of balance. Uh, because you're going to be, uh, uh putting, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, a disproportionate amount of energy towards, you know, your family, you know, when you're on vacation, you're putting a disproportionate amount of energy toward your family yeah. and not towards work. And, and there are times you have to choose where am I going to put my disproportionate amount of energy based on your priorities in your life. And so, uh, I think you have to be able to understand, hey, there are rhythms in my life, there is not a steady rhythm in my life there there are uh, there are the rhythms are like waves. and so there are times for me, you know, where, I'm intensely deep in the meeting, 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 meeting for, you know, two or three days because I'm on the road all the time. So, uh, and then there's, uh, times of withdrawing. And, and so you just have to know what your rhythms are. Mine's are, mine are unusual because of the, the amount of time I'm on the road. Uh, but understand your rhythms and build those into your life and then systems. You know, I, I, um, very goal oriented. So, uh, at the end of every year, I love December because that's when I set my goals for the next year. And yeah. so I write out my goals. I put them in Evernote. Uh, I have a daily tracker where I look at those every single day and, uh, and ask the question, what, what is the one thing I can do this week to, uh, you know, in this particular goal that will make everything else easier or unnecessary. Uh, that's the goal from, uh, it's uh, the question from the book, the one thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, and so, you know, identify what is that one thing I can do? And then uh, I think the other thing is so many times we find our identity and our significance in doing things, mm-hmm. you know, and the more I do, the more significant I feel. Yep. And I think church planters need to learn to uh, find their, you know, not find their significance in doing, but they need to ask themselves the question, am I doing a lot of things? Am I doing more things or am I doing the right things? Yeah. And, you know, the challenge I would give planters is, uh, to, in order to, to, to get more of the right things done, what can you give away? You know, um, I remember it was probably the third church we planted out of our church when I was in Carolina Forest. The, the planter, uh, came to me and he sat down. And he said, Hey, what, give me a piece of advice. You know, what's the one thing you tell me? I said, start building your successor within the first year. Wow. He said, what? I said, start finding out, start building your successors in your first year and and as successors. And so your potential successors. So in other words, whenever, I, wherever I go, uh, no matter what role I'm in, as soon as I can, I start identifying people and asking myself the question, who can do what I do and what can I give them to help them learn to do what I do? Mm. And so, uh, I mean, you know, I, I don't lead our meetings anymore. You guys lead our meetings and, uh, uh, so I'm, I'll be there today. We have a meeting today. I'll be there, but I'm not leading it. And you guys are rotating leadership on that. Why should I have, why should I lead it when you guys are fully even more capable than yeah. than leading that, you know? So asking ourselves a question, what can I give away? And that frees me up to do what only I can do.
1: That's amazing. And, and for church reproduction or multiplication, um, serial church planning, that is a powerful principle. Um, you know, I did I didn't know that's what you were operating on, but that is that is awesome. I can see it now that you've said it. And um, you know, it,
0: it's it's interesting because, you know, when I'm teaching leadership pipeline to churches and 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 I have a staff, you know, the key staff in the room, and I'll ask this question. If there's a problem in your area of ministry on a Sunday morning, with one of your team members, okay, who does that team member go to to solve the problem? Mm. If the answer is you, you're not developing leaders. Wow, wow! And so uh, that one gets worship, you know, the the worship pastor in that gets worship pastors every single time, and wow. uh, it gets other others too. But yeah, I don't want to be the go to guy for all the 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 problems, it, you know. The team members should be able to go to the next person up, not always the top person in the, in the area.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, one of, one of the tools, um, that you have, uh, and, and this will be a quick one, but one of the mm-hmm. tools that you introduced me to and I've been really impressed with is mm-hmm. the one minute manager. And I think that is a mm-hmm. great leadership management style for, uh, church planners who are limited on time, but it's also super effective. That was transformational for me. Do you want to just real quick touch on that?
0: Yeah, I was introduced to that by Dr. Howard Hendricks in seminary, and he had us read the book. The book is only 110 pages or so. It's a story format. And uh, when I closed the book, I just said, God, that's the type of leader I want to be. It gave me a picture of the type of leader I wanted to be. Three simple secrets of the one-minute manager is one-minute goal setting, one-minute uh, praising and one minute redirections. One minute goal setting is you have, uh, the people who report to you, uh, write, uh, I I say three to five goals. And for us, you know, it's every four months, tell me what are three to five things you're going to accomplish, write those out in 250 words or less. And then, uh, when we meet, we discuss those goals. It gives me the opportunity to say, hey, man, good job on this. Good job on that. Hey, Peyton, I see you using your activator uh, gift here. I see your learner gift here, your strength here. I see your uh, strategic strength here, you know, Uh, or redirect. Hey, let's think of let's think about approaching that differently. Or, you know, a lot of times it's where are you stuck and how can I help? And, uh, and so to me, it's a, it's a brilliant, uh, simple methodology of leading and I actually used it as a church planter. So when I planted a church, I had seven key leaders before we launched, uh, it, I chose my seven key leaders, probably about six months into our core development, uh, chose those seven key leaders. I established a weekly meeting with them as a team. And then I set up a rhythm of one-on-ones with them. And every one of these lay leaders, had three to five goals that they had to work on and focus on. And I would meet with them about, and it allowed me to know what they were moving forward, what they were trying to accomplish. And you take seven people times three goals, that's 21 significant things you can move forward in a period of four months. Wow! So, so when you begin to look at it that way, why wouldn't anybody, you know, want to, want to do that?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been, it's been pretty cool for me. I do think that our, uh, time together, um, we've mentioned before that it's kind of like smack talk, right? With, my, maybe the other guys more organized at first, but we cover them all, but we get there. Yeah, yeah. So I have one last question for you. And this is what we do every, every week. This is a, um, special, a uh, secret question. In fact, I put it on your list of what que- the secret question, yes. which if you listen to hardcore planning, you know what's coming. Um, this is the question that our listeners kind of wait for every time. And the train for emphasis is just going to announce the contender. There it goes. And,
0: uh, <laughs> my like wife just
1: walked in the office, but, uh, she didn't have the big scorecard. You know, she wasn't walking on like the boxing <laughs> match with the card, but, uh, anyways, uh, if you and I'm going to ask this because he's one of your best friends, <laughs> oh, if no. you and Will Mancini were to get <laughs> into it. a physical fist fight, who would win? <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> well, here's here's the way I look at that. I could I could
0: physically I feel like I could beat him up, <laughs> but I know the way he thinks, and he's so stinking strategic. He'd find a way to take me down, so he he would win.
1: You know, it's interesting It's interesting because uh, that that brings – and you know how my brain thinks like pop culture. Uh, immediately you say that and I think, Batman versus Superman.
0: You're <laughs> Superman.
1: You could take him out easily. But Batman always comes prepared. So That's I like right. this. You know, stay tuned. He'd have that, a
0: secret weapon. He would have a secret weapon. He'd have It some would be kryptonite. my kryptonite and yeah. it would
1: take me down. He would have something up his sleeve for sure. But in fairness <laughs> – And he we, would
0: cheat. He would cheat, too. That's the thing about Will. He would cheat.
1: Hey, man who doesn't cheat doesn't want to win bad enough. That's what I always say. Got that out of the Bible. Hey, um, the other other thing is when we interviewed Will, it was so funny. Because if you know Mac, you know he's just a nice dude. and, And Will goes, oh, man. He goes, I can't fight Mac. He's like, man, I just let Mac win. If Mac's mad at me for some reason, he wants to fight me. I'm just going to lay down and let him punch me. I must have done something super bad. <laughs> so anyways, hey, true, true to the Superman persona there. So, Hey, Mac, you, uh, you are, uh, an inspiration to us. Um, those, those that you've trained and those you continue to train. And thank you for your work for the kingdom. Thank you for your friendship and thanks for coming on to hardcore.
0: Well, listen, man, thank you for having me on here. And you know, I tell you every time I talk to you, I love you. I love what you're doing, and I believe your voice is one of the strongest voices and champion voices for church planters in this country. And uh, keep up the great work. You are my church planting hero, seriously. And uh, love what you're doing and thankful for you.
1: All right. Well, hey, thank you. And, guys, remember, Arnold. Remember, if you are called to church planting, go hardcore or go home. You've been listening to Hardcore Church Planning. Hardcore Church Planning has been brought to you by The Church Planner Podcast and The Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the App Store for both Apple and Android devices. If you like this episode, leave us a positive review. If you didn't like this episode, we'll be happy to give you your money back.